0: Welcome to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. Let's get inspired! Hi friends and welcome to the second episode of our Art at Home series. If you missed the first one you're going to want to head back and make sure that you catch Realism where we looked at Vincent Van Gogh's Lion Cow and a couple of tips on how to create a realistic animal drawing or painting of your own. Today we're going to be taking a look at Still Life. In case you missed that first episode, we are talking about the things that I'm doing with my boys who are 12 and 13 years old in the eighth grade for art class this year. As we're homeschooling, we're taking a look at the life and works of Vincent Van Gogh and learning about different art techniques as we go. We're gonna be creating a variety of projects and I'll be sharing those with you so that you or your kids or whoever it is um, in your home who loves to create can create along with us. You can easily adapt these Lessons for artists of all ages starting from elementary school all the way up through grown-ups. So today we're talking about still life and if you do a quick search you'll find that Vincent Van Gogh actually did a number of paintings in this style. The most famous would be his sunflowers but there are lots and lots of others as well. Other paintings of flowers, paintings of fruit and even paintings of shoes which are very interesting. So still life at its essence, is an artistic representation of inanimate or non-living objects, usually flowers or just everyday things, things that you find around the house. They're not necessarily things that would normally inspire us to some kind of um, artistic revelation. Shoes, not so much. Things like books and pencils, etc. Just normal everyday things. Here are some tips for creating a still life piece of art. And when we talk about these, it could be a photo, it could be a drawing, it could be a painting, but they all follow the same basic formula. First of all, you want to keep it simple. If you choose too many objects, it's going to be distracting and your viewer is not going to be able to focus in on what you're trying to create. So you want to choose a few but not too many things for your subject of your painting or your photo. You also want to make sure that those things are related in some way so that your composition makes sense. So for example, flowers in a vase makes perfect sense or flowers in a mason jar. You could gather a bunch of things from the kitchen. It could be various fruits. It could be things from the refrigerator. You could include a drink in a glass or a bottle along with some fruit or a snack. You could do different toys. You could gather a few toys from a child's room. Uh, You could gather together some books and a pair of reading glasses, or books and pencils or markers, things like that. But you want things that make sense and work together. You also want to choose things that have a variety of shapes, forms, colors, and textures because that's going to add visual interest to your composition. That's not to say that you can't draw just a whole bunch of apples together. In fact, Van Gogh did some similar paintings to that. But I think for our purposes, the most interesting kind of compositions are going to have varieties of colors, shapes, etc. You also want to think about your background. For this type of art, you want a neutral background you want the focus to be on these everyday objects, your flowers or whatever other things that you found. You don't want the focus to be on the background. That should just blend in and really make your focal subjects pop. If you have really colorful, bright, or dark objects, you want a nice light, neutral background, um, something that's white or gray or tan. However, if you have really light objects, a dark background is going to make those pop. You could always use a table with a blank wall behind it. If you're using the food idea or the flowers in a vase, you could sit them on just a plain colored table with a plain wall behind them, or If you have trouble finding a neutral background, a good idea is to take a solid colored blanket or a sheet and drape it over a chair. And then you can use that. It'll be under and behind your object. You can put your objects on top of the chair seat and then you have that background all around your objects. The second thing that you wanna keep in mind is how you arrange those objects once once you've chosen them. You want to place your items so that they overlap. What we don't want to do is have a book and sit it down and then a few inches over sit a pencil and then a few inches over sit your reading glasses. Instead we want some of those things on top of the others. You want to have some objects that are clearly in front some that are underneath or in the back. This is going to give your artwork depth and dimension so make sure that there's some overlap with the things that you choose. You also want to experiment. Don't just be satisfied with the first way that you group your objects. Move them around in different ways. If you have flowers in a vase, turn the vase and look at it from all different angles until you find the way that it looks best. Think about when you set up your Christmas tree, whether it's artificial or real, chances are you don't just stick it in the stand and say, there it is. You probably look around from the different angles and see which side is the best side to be the front. That's what I do. Then you turn the tree so that that side is facing into your room. The same thing is gonna happen here. You're gonna take your objects and move them around until you find where they appear to their best advantage. Move the things around. Stack them in different ways. Experiment with having something in the front and then moving that thing to the back or to the middle and putting something else in front. You can add things in. See if you wanna add one more little object or take things out. Play around. There's no rules here, you just want to work with your arrangement until you find something that's really visually pleasing to you, and you absolutely love the way that it looks. Once that happens, you want to look at your arrangement and decide which object, or if it's just one thing, which part of the object is your focal point. If you look at the shoe painting that I talked about with Vincent van Gogh, you can Google that and you can see um, he actually painted several different images of shoes. But the one that I'm thinking of has a shoe on the right that's standing up and then a shoe on the left that is turned over. And the focal point of that painting, if you look at it, is the sole of the shoe on the left. It's lighter and brighter and that's what calls our attention first. So you want to look at your arrangement And say, what is it that I want to be the focus of my composition? Whether it's a photo, a sketch, a drawing, everything has a focal point, something that the viewer's eye is naturally going to be drawn to first. So you want to figure out what that is. And then you want to make sure that as you're setting up your shot or your drawing, that you're paying attention to what we call in design the rule of thirds. You may have heard of this before, which is basically the idea that we're taking the field of view, the canvas maybe, or the view that's in our camera, and we're going to use our imagination to divide that into thirds, both horizontally and vertically, giving you nine squares. Can you imagine that? Then, there are gonna be little intersection points where those squares come together. And the idea is that those are what we call points of interest. Those spots are where folks' eyes tend to drift as we look at something. Perhaps it's because we have two eyes working together instead of just one like Odysseus and the Cyclops. Um, We don't tend to naturally focus on the very center of a painting or a photo our eyes drift instead to these points of interest and that's where we want to place our focal point. So if you are painting your vase full of flowers, put it a little bit off-center. Put it to the right or put it to the left. When you're thinking about how high the table is, don't put it right in the center. You want to put it maybe in the bottom third and then have your vase standing up off of that. So keep in mind, you know, if you were to fold or divide into nine squares, where are they coming together, and are your focal points at those places of intersection. And if you Google or do some kind of other web search on the rule of thirds, you can see lots and lots of visual examples of this. Um, One of the downsides of the podcast is that I can't show you exactly what I'm talking about, but I promise that you can find lots and lots of visual examples if you're so inclined, and it'll prove to you that your eye is naturally drawn to Either the right third or the left third of the painting, or the top or the bottom, not the smack in the center. It's our inclination to put our focal point in the center, but it actually works better artistically if we don't do that. And then the last thing that we need to think about when we're setting up a still life is lighting. Believe it or not, a single light source is best because it's simple and uncomplicated. And coming from the side of the objects is ideal because we actually want shadows. We don't want it too close to the table or whatever your objects are sitting on because we don't want super long distracting shadows, but we do want it coming in from the side and and slightly overhead so that we do get shadow because that helps to create depth and dimension. It's actually better to use artificial light than it is to use natural sunlight for something like this. And the reason for that, I know lots of people always talk about how natural light is best. And if you're doing a photograph, certainly you can use natural light. But if you're going to be doing any kind of drawing or painting... I would encourage you to go with a lamp of some kind because it doesn't move, it doesn't change as the day goes on. You can create your setup in your studio or on your dining room table, wherever you like to create, and it's going to stay there, Uh, hopefully (laughs) your pets and kids won't move it, Um, and it'll be just there in that same spot as you come back to work on it um, if you don't finish all in one sitting. The trouble with using light coming in from the window is that the sun moves and as you continue to work on your project those shadows are then going to move as well and it's going to be very difficult for you because your composition is constantly changing. So now that we know all of these things about still life it's time to get started with your project. The first thing that you want to do is gather those objects. Think about how you want them to be related. Do you want to do things from the top of your dresser? You could do different types of makeup, things like that. Or you could do things from the kitchen. You could do um, things that you eat. You could do um, a pot of coffee and a coffee cup and a cookie or something like that. There's no right or wrong to this. You just want to choose a few objects that are related to each other in some fashion. And then... We want to make sure that we're choosing things that are visually pleasing together. Try to think about maybe something that's long and skinny, something tall, and then something shorter, um, something flat, and something with a really defined shape. We want variety, remember, in our shape, form, and texture, as well as colors. Think about where you're going to arrange your objects, and then once you've found a good neutral background, you want to go ahead and put those objects there. Now, we did talk about keeping a solid colored background. Um, I mean, obviously, you can have the solid color of the table and the solid color of the wall. But what we don't want is stripes or polka dots or a pattern that's going to distract the eye. And the same thing is true for your objects. It's okay to have maybe one of your objects that has a pattern. Like if your vase is decorative, that's totally okay. But you don't want to overwhelm the eye with a whole bunch of things that have patterns on them. Once you have your objects together and you've chosen a location, it's time to arrange them. Remember, play around until you get what you like and set up your lighting. And then it's going to be time to create your project. For our purposes, we are going to be doing a colored pencil sketch but that's not necessarily what you have to do. You can do uh, painting, you can work on canvas, you can do yours um, on any kind of surface that you like, you can do just a regular pencil sketch, or if you prefer, if you wanna work on photography, you could do a still life photo. Uh, the important thing here is learning about how the composition works and uh, keeping in mind all of those tips that we've talked about. So I hope this inspires you and teaches you a little bit about the art of still life, that artistic representation of inanimate objects, and I can't wait to see the things that you and your kids or uh, whatever artists might be in your life create. Be sure to share those pictures, uh, whether it's a photo of an artwork that you created or the photo is the artwork itself. You can hop on over to the Facebook group called Amy uh, Amy Latta and Friends and share with us so that we can all be inspired. And my hope is that as folks all across the country are using this and doing it with their virtual school and their homeschooling and things like that, and as adults are participating too, that we can kind of come alongside each other like a little bit of a class and just say, hey, look, this is what I made. What did you make? And we can have a little showcase there in the group. So please uh, do share with us if you create a still life project because we would love to see it. So thanks for tuning in today and happy creating. Thanks for listening to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. For more inspiration, check out amylattacreations.com.